I expect that if we were to uh, take a poll, we'd probably come to the conclusion that most of us have a pretty good handle on, on what Lent's all about, and uh, we have practiced it uh, year after year after year. But then we would probably be good to ask a question, why ashes? What do ashes really have to do with our practice of Lent, with our faith as followers of Jesus? You know, symbols are important in God's Word. Symbols connect us with a greater reality that cannot be expressed other than in the Spirit. We understand much about those symbols, and we're familiar with them. We're familiar with the oil of anointing, for example, the oil of anointing that is to bring comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the oil of anointing that is to bring healing. It's a symbol of God's comforting presence and God's healing touch. The water of baptism brings us into the community of faith. The water of baptism connects us with Jesus in obedience to his example. The water of baptism helps us to realize that we rise again to new life. We're born again. And what about communion? When we come to the table together, the bread and the wine, these are important symbols that connect us with the body and blood of Christ. Each time we take communion together, we proclaim that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So it is with ashes, an important symbol. And I want to share some of the biblical, uh, some of the biblical evidence for the important symbolism of the ashes and why we receive them and what they really do mean for us in the greater sense of our connection with God. But let us pray, shall we? Father, as we open your word together tonight, we pray that your Holy Spirit will illuminate your word for us, that you will open the ears of our hearts, not just the ears on our heads, but help us to hear your voice, Father. We ask, Lord, that you would search us, O God, and that you would know our heart. We pray that you would know our anxious thoughts and that you would show us anything in us that is offensive to you, that we might seek your forgiveness. Speak to us, Father, for your servants are listening. Amen. In the book of Numbers, it's really not as boring as some people think it is. Numbers has some good stuff in it. Um, in the 19th chapter of Numbers, Moses speaks to the people of God, having been given instructions by God as to what he should say. Here's how it goes. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal that has no defects and has never been yoked to a plow. Give it to Eliezer, the priest, and it will be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence and then burned. Then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the, of the heifer 
and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp. They will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for the purification ceremony. This ceremony is performed for the removal of sin. And from Hebrews in the New Testament, the ninth chapter. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may have picked up on the repetition of a theme through apparent through primarily the Old Testament reading in Numbers. An animal with no defects, perfect. Ceremonially clean. Deposit them in a purified place. For use in the water for the purification ceremony. The theme here is revolving around the purification of our soul and our spirit, and he speaks to the people of Israel in giving them these instructions, telling them that there is a way to be purified. This is an extraordinary gift from God, dear ones, if you think about it. God commanded that that they be pure and that they be holy because I am holy, he said. But they failed, as we do, fell short of that call to holiness and purity. So God, in knowing that that would happen, God provided a means for them. What an extraordinary gift, a means for them to recapture that purity and that holiness that God desired for them. What a gift. I want to share with you an example in Scripture a very poignant example that illustrates the power of this particular principle that God gave through Moses to the people of Israel regarding purification from sin. Tamar was the beautiful daughter of King David. She was known for her physical beauty. She was an extraordinarily attractive young woman. And she had a stepbrother by the name of Amnon. Amnon had a very, very unhealthy obsession with his stepsister. He was driven to the fact that he just couldn't stay away from her. Amnon eventually assaulted her, forced himself upon her. Now, as if that weren't bad enough, he also violated another portion of the law when he cast her out and refused to marry her because the law said that if you have sexual relations with a relative, you must marry them. He didn't want anything to do with her. He had used her up, and he cast her out. Now, listen to the response that's recorded 
in 2 Samuel chapter 13, the response of Tamar after this horrific experience at the hands of her stepbrother. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Remember now, Tamar is the daughter of King David, a man after God's own heart, a man who was familiar with the law, familiar with God's Word. And he surely would have taught God's Word to his children and shared those precepts with them as well. So I think it's safe for us to say that Tamar knew about ashes. Tamar knew about heartbreak. She knew about mistreatment. She knew about being cast away and misused. But she also knew that God had provided a means for her to connect once again with her Creator for purification and cleansing from the uncleanness and the rejection that had been forced upon her. Because not only had this hurt her deeply in her soul and her heart, but it had created a situation where she was going to be excluded from contact with others. She was considered unclean and, and couldn't worship in the temple. She couldn't, she couldn't encounter God until she'd gone through the purification process. She knew about ashes, dear ones. And you see, much like Tamar, we all carry stains and scars of our own hurts and sins, whether from our failure to be obedient to God and to live for Him, or whether from the actions of others. We've all experienced those, and we do experience those feelings of being separated from God by our own bad choices or by the bad choices of others that create in us a sense of unworthiness a sense of feeling separated from God and needing to be purified and once again be able to stand in the presence of a holy God. Ashes. We're not cleansed by ashes. But as the writer of Hebrews said, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ that was shed for us. But the ashes throughout the history of the church have been a symbol. They've been a symbol reminding those who receive them that those soiled and stained places in us, whether by our own doing or by the doing of others, can be purified, cleaned up, made new. But not by ashes, only by the grace of God found in Jesus Christ. This evening, you're going to receive a cross of ashes on your forehead. I want you to think of them, if you will, as a reminder. Think of them as a reminder of your mortality. 
From dust we have come, to dust we shall return. When we think about our own mortality, we also think about the brevity of life. We think about how messy life actually really is. In fact, ashes are messy. But we're also reminded that God is good. Because in that messiness and in that brevity of life, we meet and experience the fullness of our good and loving and gracious God. Also be reminded of the transforming power of God. Those ashes were once something else, and now they're ashes. Whatever we once were, we can be made new by the grace of God. But perhaps one of the most important things I want to encourage you to recall and remember as you receive the ashes is that this is a sign of renewed resolve. Renewed resolve on our part to come before God honestly, to come before Him to confess our sins, to repent and turn back to Him wherever we need to, and to accept that grace that comes to us from God through Christ. Let it be a signal a signal for our desire for holiness, our longing to be holy because He is holy. And let it be a reminder to you that not only do you desire to be made clean by His, by his grace, but that you can be. That you can be. God will make us new. We want Him to change our heart as we continue this journey in the footsteps of Jesus. Now tonight, after you've received the ashes, some of you may go to dinner somewhere. Some of you uh, might go straight home, and you may be tempted to just rush over to the bathroom sink and get those ashes off your head. Let them sit there a while. And as you stand before your mirror, look that person in the eye and say, I am redeemed. God can purify me. God loves me. And these ashes symbolize the newness that God wants to put in me. Now, if you do happen to go out to dinner, that's great. Don't take the ashes off because there might just be someone you will encounter in that restaurant that says, what's that on your head? Friends, that's an invitation. Now, most of us would say, uh, well, uh, let me just give you something simple to think about. Well, that's just a sign that God has forgiven me and he'll forgive anybody that asks him for it. I don't think we need to say much more than that, but it can sure open the door to a conversation about your Savior. So this evening as we proceed with our time together to the point of receiving the ashes, remember the symbol 
points to the greater reality that you can be made holy, you can be made pure, and we can stand in the presence of a holy God. Amen.